Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus no The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest <laughs> With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Fight. On WEEI.com. Post draft podcast. Uh, we haven't done one of these since the Patriots drafts uh, ended. So here we are, breaking it all down. Uh, let's start with the overall thoughts. What was your overall thoughts from the three days? Uh, I like it. I mean, you can't bitch for three months and say, I want them to get a quarterback, a young quarterback, and then bitch that they got the wrong young quarterback. I, I, don't, I don't really, then you're just never happy. So yeah, you're just looking for something to complain about. Right now. Am I excited? Am I thinking like they got the next Patrick Mahomes that he's going to be battling with the chiefs for the next 15 years and super bowls? No, I'm not even sure you can win a super bowl with Mac Jones and what his ceiling is. Actually, I'm not sure you will. You can win a Super Bowl with it. Can you hear those birds in the background, by the way? No. Oh, okay, good. Because I was figuring we'd replace dogs with birds because it's spring is in the air and hope is eternal after the draft and all that. Um, Like, he's Mac Jones, so he is what he is. You can say he's doughy. I can hear the birds now. Okay. (laughs) He's this. Lombardi used to do this. Lombardi used to do a podcast where there was like parrots in the background squawking at all times. So if it's good enough for Lombardi and all, you know, his hot takes. But again, spring is in the air. That's isn't that the the obvious sign of hope? Spring is in the air with the birds chirping. Mac Jones is the Patriots quarterback. By it, well, he's going to be the Patriots quarterback. Okay. Bill snuffed that out early. Um, and the question is, is he the accurate? 
it factor works hard, perfect guy for the new England offense that some want to portray him as, or is he the guy who played one season at Alabama, always had the best talent on the field, had a great offensive coordinator with a great scheme and might just be a middling NFL quarterback. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know we no longer have to talk about Mitchell Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, uh, Gardner Minshew, all these stupid, you know, all the people that Fitzy fell in love with for various weeks throughout the off season, we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's Mac Jones. Yes. I think that's, uh, would you say like the, the Patriots draft is defined, will be defined by Mac Jones. 100%. And even like the rest, I want to say it was boring, but it was like, kind of just like, eh, like there was no like polarizing pick, maybe Barmore trading up for him. But like the rest of the, the draft was kind of just like, all right, you got a solid player. It wasn't like, oh, you reach for this guy and his ceiling could be so high or this guy has, you know, some question marks, like some scandals or whatever. Like it was just kind of a, eh, okay draft. And that's not a bad thing. Like that's okay to do. I just think that the Mac Jones pick was the top pick and obviously the one that generated the most discussion where the others were kind of just like, all right, solid players. Well, the quarterback position was going to define this draft one way or the other. Either they took one in the fourth round, you didn't like him, or they didn't take one, or they traded up to, like, yeah, it was true. going to be quarterback. Um, and it's going to be quarterback moving forward. You took the fifth of five top-tier, quote-unquote, quarterbacks. There are Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf. Mac Jones, you're going to be compared mostly to Justin Fields, but also sort of the overall draft class of quarterbacks. Yeah, I would say um... – Every, Trey Lance thrown in there too. Like I think Lawrence and Wilson are kind of off on their own, but right. And, and yeah, you have the, the 49er tie into everybody thought it was Mac Jones to, at three, then it was Trey Lance, but were they really debating Trey Lance, Mac Jones? And you know, I've joked about this when we first started about talking about Mac Jones, it was who that's a reach at 15. He's not worth 15. Oh, he should be a late first, early second. Well, now you could say he was this close to being the third pick in the draft. So he slipped from three to 15 bills a genius didn't have to give up any anything else to get him just sat stood let the draft come to him as scott pioli said um and i know there's like the narrative the idea i you know doing the the post-draft shows on our station i know you're going and i hate it that that he should have traded up for me i agree like i understand the logic from afar but he got the guy like, so should, should the Giants have traded – I mean, not the Giants. Should the Bears have traded inside the top ten for Justin Fields? Like, it's, not, the same, well, it's the same argument. Like, they, they, and it's all about value. Right. It, like, I, I know my uh, comparisons or illusions or whatever are popular. Yeah. If I want a new – let's say hypothetically, I want a new Weber grill for Father's Day. I'm in the market and for a grill, too. I think I might get a Weber. I've, I've fought, I've pushed back for years. I thought Weber people were like snobs and it wasn't worth the money. I'm starting to think it's worth the money and I might dive into the Weber world. They didn't but, seem that expensive when I looked yesterday. Oh yeah. They're more, I mean, depending on what size you want or whatever, but they oh, are, you're spending f- at least 50% more, probably more than that than just a regular stainless steel sure. grill. Uh-huh. Um, but people, a lot of people that have them swear by them, but Let's just say I want a Weber grill for Father's Day. And Father's Day, I go out on the back deck and damn it, there's my Weber grill. And then I find out, well, my wife just bought it. She didn't get the best deal available. Like, do I care? 
I have my Weber grill, but did I want her to spend more? No, I like I got my Weber grill. There's some of that. So it, it's about value. And if you, you wanted a quarterback, he got a quarterback. Let's say I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that's where the divide is, is whether you think Bill wanted Mac Jones or just took Mac Jones because he was the one who fell to 15. Yes. And I don't love that if he just fell to 15, right? Like if he wanted Justin Fields more, then I wanted him to go get just, I still try. I know I've said this before. Tom Curran may not want Bill to draft offensive players. You know, Gary Tangway said Bill should not be the GM anymore. I still trust Bill to evaluate. And if he likes Mac Jones more than Justin Fields or Justin Fields more than Mac Jones, I want him to get the guy he puts a premium on. But if, if he liked Mac Jones, why would I want him to take Mac Jones at 10 or 11 instead of 15 and trade a future? First well, also, round? shouldn't you <laughs> sort of, that's his job to read the draft like board and see how yeah. things are going to play out. Like he probably saw the teams that were picking, you know, 11, 12 and 13, we're going to take a quarterback really. So why, why reach for that? Why give up an extra, like if, the, if, for instance, if they would have traded up to get him in the, in the draft, like a couple spots, then maybe you don't get Christian Barmore because you traded away your later picks. Like it would have, it would have affected the rest of the draft too. Right. Like should Dolphins fans be mad that the Dolphins traded back? Right. Like, oh, if they really wanted him, they would have stayed at where at three, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. they got risky. They could have lost him. No, they made a good trade. They did a good value-based trade. They still theoretically got what they wanted. Or Jason Tatum, you know, to cross sports. Should right. the Celtics have taken Jason Tatum number one overall? Right. Why? They got him at three and added a first-round pick. Correct. And Bill kind of got Mac Jones and added a first-round pick. Like, he didn't add one, but he could have easily – lost a future first round pick to acquire a quarterback right yes i mean just what everybody's talking about last week he's trading into the top 10 he could have lost two future first round right so he now has those he has mac jones and he will be picking somewhere between 12 and 20 something next year in the draft sure yeah. right yeah. like and i think we're gonna like that right we're, we're gonna sure. say oh he can go get the second best receiver on the board or he can right. go get the best left tackle on the board because Isaiah wins leaving or he, you know what I mean? He can, anything is available to him next year. And Oh, by the way, he has a quarterback. And the other thing he has is a quarterback who legitimately wants to be his quarterback. And I think that matters. I know every draft pick says, Oh, I really wanted to be with this. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, I really wanted to be here or whatever. I think Mac Jones legitimately wanted to be the Patriots quarterback. I don't think that oh, is like fun narrative. And I think there's value in that. Like, he's not afraid of Bill Belichick. He's not afraid of hard coaching. He's not afraid of, you know, the Tom Brady's legacy or the Brady comparisons. In fact, I think he looks at it and says, maybe that's the best place for me. You know, there was that story. Um, who the hell was quoted? I forgot who was quoted, but talking about how he watched Tom Brady and Drew Brees a lot because he's well aware of his own skill set, his limitations. Like, yeah, I can watch Patrick Mahomes, but I can't do any of it. So I don't know why I'm spending that much time on it. I, I, I'm not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not Zach Wilson. I'm not whatever any of these other guys are. So he spent a lot of time watching Brady and Breeze and the guys he knows, honestly, his game is modeled after. And he goes from Nick Saban to Bill Belichick. Like he's going to be used to. And it's, I read a story, his high school coach is kind of similar to the way that those guys are too, in terms of right. like hard coaching. So he's, he's used to that. That's not going to be an issue. And, and I like that. And it could be an issue with 
Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or, you know, the old stories about like RG3 in Washington where it didn't work or, or any of like, I don't know. I just, I think people are nitpicking. The Patriots have a quarterback of the future. I don't know if he'll be good or not. Like we can, later we can find out in two years, you may realize he's a journeyman. You know, he's he's closer to Andy Dalton or Brian Hoyer. Did you see the comp today that was been thrown out there? Like Albert Breer threw out there and then Giardi said he had it first. Oh boy. <laughs> Chad Pennington. I don't like hate a, it. Like a smart guy, but didn't really amount to anything. Well, but, but like he, hung around like Chad Pennington would have been a much better quarterback if he didn't kill his shoulder and have multiple shoulder surgeries and lose the ability to throw. Right. Um I don't hate it because I think Chad Pennington was a good, not great quarterback. I think there's probably a good chance Mac Jones is going to be a good, not great quarterback. I, I don't hate it. I wish Giardi had talked more about it. I don't know. Maybe when he was on our podcast, if he pretends he had it first, because <laughs> I don't remember him talking about it. No, um, not that either. So, I mean, but if he gets hurt and he peters out, you'll say, well, Chad Pennington never really won anything. Mac Jones maybe never really wins anything, but. Like, I'll ask the question I asked Tangway yesterday on Tangway and Hart. We asked listeners, we talked. Do you think the Patriots will win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones? No. I don't either. But I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I just, my oh, gun- don't pussyfoot around. I need an answer. All right, no. no. Okay, stick with your guns. Jesus. No. Yeah, I don't either because, you know – the game is the, the quarterback is the difference. Like the game is the modern quarterback is the Super Bowl winner. And I keep saying like the best quarterbacks have won. And then the others were the best at the time. Like the Joe Flacco run, the Eli Manning big plays. Like, do you like Jimmy Garoppolo is the interesting comp in my mind. He was, a oh, was gonna bring that up. like he was a throw away from winning the Super Bowl. And we would probably look at him differently. He would also probably be an outlier because Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a great postseason a couple of years ago, right? It was about the running game and he didn't have to do anything and all that. But if he had won, he would have been now a Super Bowl champion. We would have looked at him differently, the quarterback, whatever, differently. So could he? 100% Mac Jones could. Like, I'm sorry, he just threw 41 touchdowns for the national champions in the SEC. Like, he has skills. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to crap all over him. But do I believe he will be the guy who leads a team? Because that's the other thing. Jimmy Garoppolo, the comp. If we did, if we stick there, well, their team decided they needed a starting quarterback. Their head coach said it. Once we decided we needed a starter, blah blah blah. We're trading up. It could be Mac Jones. All this. Uh, and by the way, that team, if you believe them also believes Mac Jones was worthy of the third pick and right. was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So. There's a pro side of, of Mac Jones there. Um, but I just, I don't know. It's, it's a tough sell for me. Do you think the, um, he was the fifth quarterback on their board? No, I hope not. I hope not. No. But what do you think though? Uh, no, I could see them being fearful of like, they might be mocking the jets. They might think Zach Wilson is a, a bust waiting to happen. Like I, I could, I didn't realize he looks like he's 12 years old. Like, uh, worse than that. The the one I always knew he was baby faced, but there was that photo, uh, actually video making the rounds of the early picks lined up on some red carpet and quote unquote, I'm quoting here, quoting a tweet. Some of them started flashing like gang signs. 
And he just looks so uncomfortable and out of place, like kind of wants to just like bend into the blend into the background and go away. He's the face of a New York franchise. Like he's the leader. That's my, like, he's going to be like the, the New York media's like guide now. And it's like, he's like 12 years old. Forget the media. He needs to get in a huddle. And Makai Becton, who's 6'8", 390, he needs to look up at him and say, what the bleep, and chew him out? Like, can you see him chewing out a man three times his size who's a man with this little baby face boy? Please? My uncle owns JetBlue. Could you listen to me now, please? Like, I like his skills. Like, he's fun to watch. But that could be an absolute train wreck. And I bet yeah. you the Patriots look at it the same way. Um, so, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they probably had Mac Jones as third on the board. I mean, four. yeah, Trey Lance is a maybe second for all I know. It's possible, like that. It's not unheard of. Like it wouldn't be like that off. Because I'm going to assume they had him ahead of Justin Fields. Yep. I'm going to assume that overall package and maturity they had him ahead of Zach Wilson. Yep. And then I don't know about Trey Lance. I that's right. the one. And behind, behind Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and said that they have Mac Jones as two or three on their board. Like, do you, the, was this was this an ideal scenario for Belichick to get Mac Jones at 15? Like, was it in his like top three or four scenarios with how the draft played out? Because I like I think that he really wanted Waddle or or any of those receivers. And that, no, I think you're right. I think he liked Waddle the best. And even Smith too. Like, I think he would have preferred to get a receiver at 15. Like I don't, and there are probably a couple other players in there too. That I think he wished might've been available there. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think it was Belichick's like ideal, ideal scenario, but it wasn't like that far off that he didn't make the pick. Well, I mean, I think the comp would be, and we talked a lot about this going into the draft. Would he have rather gotten a receiver and made a trade for Jimmy and with a second, third round pick, whatever. Right you know, redone his contract, made it work, made it fit. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's a tough one for me. Like if you said somehow Jalen Waddle slips to 15, falls in his lap, and they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, would Belichick prefer that? My gut tells me yes. My gut says yes too. But I really don't know because you can't discount the injuries. You can't discount the money, right? Those are two factors. And you can't discount that if you hit on Mac Jones, Bill Belichick retires at some point or moves on whatever mm. with the next franchise quarterback in the, the prime of his career. Right. Uh, here's one that I just, what, what, is, what would quantify as hitting on Mac Jones? Well, Mac Jones is the starter for the next 12. Well, what is that? But is that winning a Super Bowl? Well, I mean, if he wins a Super Bowl, that obviously is a home run, right. but okay. I don't know that he has to. He no, that, that, be, that's what I mean. What is defined as they they made the right pick in Mac Jones? Like, is it the Patriots getting to the playoffs with him? Is it he's their quarterback for you know eight years? Like, what is it? Yeah, I think it's he's a franchise quarterback, and to me, a franchise quarterback, like we've seen enough of them that either only have one Super Bowl or have none. Like Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback; he ain't one crap. But right. the Dallas Cowboys, he's their franchise. They, they committed to him. him. They gave him another big deal. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, even Crapsheet immediately said, you know, Andy Dalton is the floor for Mac Jones. The ceiling is much higher than that. And 
I kind of agree with him. And in the set, like he was the Bengals franchise QB. They went to the playoffs with him. Right. They knew for whatever it was, a decade. What they were getting. Like, yeah. yeah. And now you'd say, okay, he's going to get better coaching. Like if he's similar, it'll work out better in New England if it's the same type of player. But if you're one of the teams that starts every season, maybe not this year because he's not established, but let's say right. between 2022 and 2030 to 32, somewhere in there, if you start the year and no one's writing training camp questions, quarterback, yep. then it worked. Like, right. I mean, I, I agree. You, you want it to be better than that. I'm not saying, you know, I guess you, you would at some point go into Bengals land where they moved on from him, or you'd go into 49ers land where you decide, you know, maybe Jimmy's not the guy we do need mm. a starter. But if you get that eight year run, that 10 year run, that's a franchise court. Like Drew Bledsoe was a franchise quarterback, right? Yeah. If you get Drew Bledsoe, he went to a Super Bowl, and there were some down years in between. But before he lost his job, they gave him a hundred million dollar contract because they thought right. they had their franchise QB, right? Yeah. I mean, we need to realize. I know it's hard to do, but you got to recalibrate your expectations as to what a franchise QB is. That's going to be very hard for Patriots fans to do, I think. Yeah, and it may especially be, when he's already getting comps to Tom Brady. Right, and, and it could be. I mean, it might have to be beaten into you, like. He's good, but you miss the playoffs. Or then he has a struggle season. Maybe you make the playoffs, and then he throws two picks, and you lose the game. And, like, there could be some Andy Dalton-like experiences along the way. But if he's the quarterback, he's the quarterback. Like, that's there's value in that. You don't, you don't want to be what you've been for the last 16 months or, no, probably a little less than that, whatever it is, a little over a year. You don't want to be in that cycle. You don't want to, I, I keep going back to this because it was the dumbest thing and I hated it at the time. And I told him, you don't want your, okay, I'll be honest. Second most popular sports radio station in the, in the city, nighttime show, doing a daily segment on Mitchell effing Trubisky and why he should be the next quarterback, right? Like yes. that's asinine. We don't want that. And Mac Jones lifts you out of that right now, right? Mm-hmm. And if he continues to lift you out of that for almost a decade, you hit. Yeah, I would say you hit if he gets a second contract. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what I think it'd be defined as. And now you could go down the road of, oh, do you really want to give him a second contract? Ugh. Then you're in a problematic world. Or you could go down the road of, you know, Philip Rivers or whatever. Oh, he he's never gets over the hump, yep. never wins it. But Philip Rivers, everybody's calling a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Right. Right. So, yeah, I think if he's still around in eight years, you hit on him. All right. Mac Jones wasn't the only pick, so let's get into the other ones. Uh, well, let's go right, we'll just go right down the line, I guess. Barmore, uh, they traded up, obviously, to get him. He was uh, listed by some as the best defensive tackle in the draft. Uh, there are some questions with his, uh, I guess, like uh, maturity and yep. handling coaching. Nick Saban shot that down before the draft, which why would he – say anything otherwise i guess but um what are your thoughts on barmore i i don't hate it i hated it at 15 when it was a rumor at 15 you know a mock draft rumor at 30 what 38 they traded up to um i don't hate it we know he has talent physical ability measurables like if you look six four three ten four nine and change 40 then you look at the other stuff and say you know our friend mike rodak tells us he went through that weird phase where he 
kind of wanted to leave the program or wasn't happy, um, you know, didn't, they kind of whitewashed it quickly, made it go away. And then by the end of last season, he was an elite player for them, winning the, the MVP in the, the championship game defensively, showed his athleticism. I think he had eight sacks or whatever it was. Yeah, like, he can wind up all over the line. He's not yeah. just a nose tackle. I mean, he's, I, I would say like a combination of what Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, something, but but a rich man's version of that if you hit on it. Uh, so I don't know how you could not like this pick. It's it's an impact defensive guy at a position they still need that. Like I don't, I mean, are you building around God Chow? Like you're not. He like no. that's a nice pickup, but I don't think he's you could have the centerpiece of your defensive line. Again, could right. This is what post-draft talk is about. Could like positive theory. Spring is in the air, the birds are chirping. You could have the centerpiece of your defensive line for the next, you know. I mean, in a dream world. I think in an absolute dream world, he probably only plays four years for the Patriots. You know why? Because he's so good. He gets a bigger contract somewhere else, yes. Right. You're not giving him the $90 million contract that somebody's willing to give him. You know, if Trey Flowers gets $90 million, anybody can get $90 million. No offense to Trey Flowers, but like, yes, that's what you're hoping for, that he becomes a mainstay for four years and he's so good you can't even afford him maybe. Right. Yeah. And I, would you agree, too, that he was probably there – he was like the best player available there. And they just said that the value was so good that they needed to grab him. Yes. And I also like, so it's a weird dynamic. Cause I'm with you. Like what's, what's Nick Saban going to say? Like, what's he going to say publicly? Oh, the guy was a dink. I'm glad he's gone. He never, not going to say that. Right. But what did he say to Bill Belichick? Well, that's whatever, exactly. whatever he said to Bill, Bill was comfortable drafting him. Totally agree. So I got to think, and I always go back to Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. They deal with hundreds upon hundreds of cases, issues. This guy's uh, got domestic violence. This guy's got motive. Like they deal with this crap for a living. And we make a big deal about it. Oh, this guy, do you see on social media? He questioned. Remember when Tyrone Poole wanted to retire? You probably don't. No. Got myself in trouble by talking to Tyrone Poole way back in 2003 or four. Tyrone Poole was a free agent signing cornerback. He was like fourth on the depth chart in um, training camp practice. So I, one of those stupid, you know, you got to write something for the day. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Stacy, I'll take Tyrone Poole. You talk to Tyrone Poole and it's like, Tyrone Poole's thinking about retiring. Like he's, I remember my headline, pool of discontent. Free agent addition is like, you know, questioning his future yeah. or something. And then Tyrone Poole went and ended up staying with the team started made plays to elevate them to the super bowl had a pass breakup against the titans they don't win the game without that like they deal with these things all the time with these athletes and money and roles and egos we make a big deal about it i don't know if it's a big deal like right it's probably just like part of their daily routine right. like oh this this comes up okay well we'll deal with it i think they have brush fires so often that it would blow the minds of not just reporters but like fans like right oh this guy got pulled over last night the cops called we can make that go away. No one needs to find out. Right. I think that well, happens. This guy freaked out on the position coach in the meeting. Like, right, right. He, they were, they were at each other's throats. Players had to separate them. I think that stuff happens on a daily basis and we just aren't privy to it, but they get used to it because it's the same thing. Like the stories, remember the old Nick Cafardo story about like Charlie Weiss quit multiple times as the offensive coordinator. Right. Right. Like, 
if we knew it at the time, that would have been huge news. But Bill's like, there goes Charlie quitting again. See you tomorrow, Charlie. You know what I mean? Like there's all these things that that come up and is a kid. And the other thing is he's a kid. He's yeah. a kid. Like he, he's frustrated. He's not playing. He thinks he's giving his best. The coach doesn't think he's giving his best. Like we've all been there in different roles in life. It happens. Did he handle it perfectly? Maybe not. Does it mean you, you don't draft him? Or does it mean you overlook his height, his size, his speed, his athleticism, his hands? Because yeah, that time he he tweeted that thing. Yeah, we can't take him. Right. Screw that. Take the damn talent. Yeah. Like you, Belichick's not taking that unless Saban signs off on it. And I think Saban's going to be open and honest with Bill. Like he doesn't need to do Christian Barmore a favor to salvage a relationship with Bill Belichick. No, I mean, and it's, you know, he could easily say, Bill, why don't you let somebody else make that mistake? He's right. a good player, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be as good as he should be. Why don't you let somebody else make that? Instead, Bill says, because all teams reset their board. Wow, this player's still on the board in the early 30s. I'm going to trade up and go get him. Yep. So not only did he, he didn't fall to him. It's not like he fell to him at 46 where they were sitting. Mm. He felt good enough to trade up to go get him. So I like that pick. I think that's a, it's a typical second round pick. You're swinging for the fences. There is some risk involved, but I think that's a, is a big reward. But even if he's average, even yeah. if he's that, like he's going to be a decent player, he'll replace. Probably going to be a Adam, starter. Right. He'll replace Adam Butler at worst as like a sub rusher, versatile guy. You know, you're right. Probably replaces like a Lawrence guy down the road as a starter. And then upside is we got a disruptive interior defensive tackle with the 38th pick in the draft. Uh, next was they started their second double dip of draft with Oklahoma defensive end Ronnie Perkins. Another guy that I think guys had rated higher than he went. So I guess good value. Yeah, theoretically good value. I mean, some people had Barmore as high as like 12 to 15 overall. I think some people had Perkins as anywhere from the 30s to the top 50 kind of prospect in the draft. And they got him at 96 forever. The Tom Brady memorial pick. Yes. Uh, com compensatory pick. Uh same logic. You're right. Value. I don't know that I love this one as much. I I'm this one to me, I question the need and the fit and you've kind of added a lot of bodies there. Like it's weird. Well, I was going to say the spin is, Oh, they looked at the defensive line last year was so bad. And now they're turning a, you know, positional weakness into our strength and they're going all in, in the front seven. So that's the logic logic behind it. I don't know if I believe it. Like, I don't think yeah. Ryan Perkins is going to change that. And I don't know what he's going to change. He's athletic. Obviously he um, had the issue with the drug suspension, which I want to talk about for just a second. I understand weed is not a big deal anymore to a lot of people, but he made a mistake in decision-making that cost him games that, that, well, that cost him games, the most important game of that season. Right. And so that's where I like, it's not whether I think weed is a big deal or whether I think speeding is a big deal or whether I think X, Y, Z are a big deal. If you're not available because of something you did, that's a big deal, mm -hmm. right? Like that's a, that's where it's, that's where it's like questioning the decision-making. Now I'll, I'll go back to it. Kid, he's a kid. So he made a bad decision. He paid the price, whatever. We can move on. I'm yeah, fine Bill said he, he did his homework on it. He was okay with the pick. Like, sure. Like, I'm sure he, they were told the same thing you just said. He's a kid. He made a mistake. He learned from it. He's moving on. Right. And we'll see if he is. Or if it continues to be an issue in decision-making or whatever down the road. Um, and then, so move past that and go to the 
position, the value, that kind of on-field. Does he have upside? Sure. But does Anthony Jennings no longer have upside? Does Chase Winovich no longer have Not upside? Sure. Like we're, yeah. yeah. And you brought back Hightower, even though that's probably a one-year type thing. Kyle Van Oy, you got him back for a couple years. The the one that to me the the where this the Chase Winovich limited snaps in the middle of last year and him being pigeonholed as a situational pass rusher in their eyes, that's where I think I could see them looking at at this pick and saying he's going to be the starter, he's the high percentage playing time guy. Winovich will get in where he fits in sub situations. They clearly still care about setting the edge and playing mm. stout. And I think Jennings had that kind of MO when he was drafted out of Alabama. And I think Perkins has more of that heavy hands can play the run D end edge player vibe. So that's my guess is I also go back to, I think forever Bill Belichick prefers to be overmanned rather than undermanned on the front seven. And mm. last year they were grossly <laughs> undermanned. Oh my God. Almost They're calling up guys in their practice squad every week to fill that spot. Remember that song, No Man on the Minnesota Vikings? There was no man on the Patriots front seven last year. Um, and I think he this is just another pick like, okay, Perkins can do this. Vanoy can do this. Winovich can do this. Uche can do this. Which group of those guys is on the field at any one time? We'll figure that out. But yep. we need more good defensive front seven football players. All right. Then they uh, double dips with his, uh, I guess, his, his weed friend, if you want to call it. Uh, Ramondre, <laughs> cheap shot. Ramondre Stevenson. Well, he was involved in the same thing, so like they're connected by that. Hey, okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like we just talked about it, but he was he even said on the both of them said on their conference calls they're they're each other's guys. Like they're good friends. So they drafted uh, his. Ron but they Stevenson. didn't say they were weed friends. No, they didn't. But I. But I, you're right. If they're friends and they're teammates and they like weed, my guess is all of those mixed up at some point. Yes. Um. So the running back Stevenson round four, um, I, I guess that sonic kind of the same thing with the defensive end. Like the running back position is now has a lot of guys. I personally think that Stevenson's going to be a red shirt guy like we've seen in the past. So this was more of a pick for 2022 than 2021. And then Sony Michelle gets mentioned. Like maybe they move on. Basically Stevenson replaces Michelle. Yeah. I like this pick just superficially. A, you know, I told you in the lead up, I like running backs. Hey, that was your bold prediction. They were taking running back high in the draft. Correct. Does this count? I was going to say it's on the fence, but I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, but then you say he's a running back who is huge, averaged seven yards a carry in college, but didn't carry it a lot. No. And even only like 280 touches, I think. Yeah. And I think the carries was only like at Oklahoma. I think his carries were like, I don't know, I want to say like 170 or something. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, he showed the ability to catch the ball a little bit. I thought it was interesting. He immediately played the game, compares himself to LeGarrette Blunt, And we've talked about that. Blunt was good for this team, like no in that role. Sure. Remember the closer, like he would, you know, four-minute offense, and then he would bust off a 40-yard run, game's over. Yep. And I think he has the same abilities. Like you see some big playability as long, along with the size and the, the potential power. But he is kind of a projection, too. Like, that's limited touches. We'll see what he can be. It's also a league with, you know, questionable defense. It's not like he averaged seven yards a carry in the SEC. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Big 12, not really known for their uh, defensive stopping ability. He's known for those 60 to 50 games. Right. So he's an intriguing guy. He's 
been a part of a committee. That's what I look at now is, and I don't know if this is coincidence or not. Maybe there's just more committees in, in, in college football, but everybody they add lately is part of a committee, whether it's Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. And yeah, um, I would say that's a college, like bigger school type thing. Right. And it could be like this year, we saw uh, Javante Williams, Michael Carter go like there's, you know, some of that. Although Travis Etienne was more of the guy, his, his role, his job. Um, but every guy they add is part of a committee. He's going to come in as part of a committee. Like you said, could be even a red shirt first. Year. I, I, I don't see him playing much this year. Well, I what could, if Michelle gets treated? Well, yes. It is an early prediction for, for Stevenson. If everything holds true, he's a, he's a Foxborough flu candidate. And he could be, he certainly could be. Although 235 pound running backs that take a year off. I feel like they end up 250 pound running backs. Yeah. Especially if they like them, the weed, <laughs> they get the snacks, they get those Doritos out. I know it's cliche, but we'll see. Um, or Sony Michelle. See, the one problem with this podcast we're doing as we wrap up the draft is we're doing it on the same day. So people know, I'm not going to say which day or date because we don't like to date these no, things. No, we don't do that. Um, but the Patriots are in the midst of making their decision with their fifth year options on Sony Michelle and Isaiah Wynn. I think most people presume that they'll pick up wins and they won't pick up Michelle's, but we don't know for sure just yet. Um, Sony's is four and change. Wins is yeah. 10 and change. Four, four nine and wins like 10, five. Um, but when, when he's on the field, he's been a pretty good player for them. It's the, the ability to stay on the field. And I think also people have tied in the lack of a tackle draft pick high. Like yeah, we've, that's, that's where I am. Yeah. We talked about that coming into the draft, like tackle wasn't a need for this year, but it was a need because you could be replacing Brown and win moving forward. I think everybody assumes they're going to pick up win and then Sony Michelle won't get picked up. And then I would argue, could he even be a trade candidate at some point? Could be. Yeah. I don't know who wants him, but yeah, I mean, you don't have to be harsh. It felt a little, felt a little rude there. I mean, we did just say he had his best month running the ball the last time we saw him, right? We did. We did. But he just hasn't been – he hasn't lived up to his first-round expectations. But then I would also say if you traded Sony Michelle, you have Damian Harris who started and ended the year on IR, and then you have Ramondre Stevenson, like a committee mid-round pick. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. They, they, need, they need the depth. They need Michelle's depth. And then, like, I, who knows what Rex Burkett situation. He's still a free agent, but – like right. we, would, we would assume if he comes back and plays, it's probably with the Patriots. I don't know where that stands right now either. All, all right. the videos do show he's ready to, he's progressing nicely in his recovery, but. Well, maybe we'll see. Okay. Uh, moving on round five, they got Cameron McGrone linebacker out of Michigan. Uh, he tore his ACL last November. So I would say that he's his uh, contributions this year. If he's able to play, won't happen at all. Yeah. And I mean, even Bill said, you know, his playing time, whether that's 2022, like he even kind of said, well, he's, he's a guy that's going to be on PUP the entire year. Right. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't expect to see him. So that's a value-based pick. You had the luxury projecting for the future. You know, as I said, you know, if Dante Hightower is a one-year guy and by that point, you'll probably have a better feel for what, well, Bentley, you could already have a feel for, but also Uche and Jennings, you might have more of a, Two years in, what's their role on the front seven? Um, I mean, an intriguing athlete. I don't – Yep. Like, now, but an intriguing athlete coming off his second ACL, right? Yeah, he tore one – the other knee in high school. Okay, so coming off his second ACL, which 
I mean, I know they're a dime a dozen these days in some ways, but you also, not everybody comes back perfectly from them. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a developmental, we'll see a year down the road. I kind of looked at it too, is like looking at their roster, they don't really have a lot of spots available with draft picks. So instead of like wasting a fourth or fifth round pick that has no chance of making the roster this year, have it be towards next year where he's doesn't, you don't have to release him. You can put him on IR. He doesn't count towards anything. So just more looking towards the future and not wasting a pick. And another guy from Don Brown's Michigan defense. Where did he go this off season? Did he go to Arizona? I was going to say, I think, I think it was Arizona. Yeah. We need to recall like Arizona, Don Brown, Teddy Bruschi, Jed Fish, like probably not next year. Cause there'll be a little, a little catch up period of the recruiting and what kind of players they want. But a couple of years from now, definitely. That's the next school look at. Yep. Definitely keep that in the rotation of would be Patriots, but this is a pick. I don't really feel strongly about whatever. It's fine. I mean, I, I did, I said to uh shine, I think on the second night of the draft, I came to realize like we had talked about the numbers and not a lot of prospects and the, what there was not a lot left on the board as you started to get later in the draft. Like this was the numbers got thin, really thin. So yeah, that's fine. You took a linebacker who'll help you in a year from now from Michigan. Okay, good. So uh, any other thoughts on their picks? Joshua Bledsoe, round six. William Sherman, round six. Trey Nixon, round seven. Safety uh, offensive tackle waters here. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. So many tackles in this draft compared to Isaiah Wynn. They ended up taking one of the, tra- the tackles compared to Isaiah Wynn. We'll see what he is. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Blah, blah, blah. Three-year starter, right and left tackle. That's great um will that be they haven't had a great run i know people want to uh point to on when you but then like you look at uh yadni kajust and some of these guys i know exists right so there's sort of a mixed bag of these mid to late round offensive linemen even a year ago you get on when you the other guy retires and then they cut him right Uh, wood was it woodard woodyard woodward something like that yeah that guy so it's been a mixed bag which it should be you know late round offensive linemen they're all gonna hit that's a no, mix. No bag. one expects them to. And if you hit one like you seemingly hit on when you, you live off that for a while. Yep. Um, so I don't know how likely it is this guy. I almost made a stupid tweet, by the way, when they drafted him. Yeah. I was going to make some lame ass dad joke about Sherwin Williams, the paint company. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's not sure. Like I literally was typing it in. And then I was like, wait, they're not the same, you idiot. It's not funny. It's stupid. Oh, good, good thing you caught yourself. Good job. I caught myself. Trolls would have had a field day with that one. Good job. And I hadn't even been drinking. Um, the Joshua Bledsoe kid certainly seems like a special teams type and maybe a backup role down the road. I mean, most interesting thing is his mom added an H to the end of his name so that he would have the same number of letters as everybody else in the family or whatever. Beyond that, that's fine. The Trey Nixon kid, I do find him a little interesting. And I wonder if he could be a case of sort of um, – slipped through the COVID cracks, so to speak, this weird year. Because back-to-back 40-catch seasons is not – uh, before this past year, 40-catch seasons yeah. is nothing to really sneeze at. Good measurables, generally. Like, he's got he some – the Ole Miss to start till he was an SEC yeah. guy. Like, I feel like he could be – I feel like he could be something. And the broken collarbone, limited time this year, maybe he's just a guy that slipped through the cracks and – you know, he's the Ernie Adams Memorial. Say, if he wants anything, he's Ernie Adams. He's uh, David Givens 2.0, according to some people that are picking. Um, yeah, I, it won't stun me if he has a role on a team that has questions at wide receiver. And again, 
as you said, starts in the SEC, then moves closer to home, 40-something catches, 40-something catches, injured, maybe falls through the collapse, cracks, gets pushed down the board in a relatively deep draft class. I don't rule him out as having a, a – an like, my guess is he's a better receiver than, let's say, Gunnar Olszewski. Like, I think Gunnar has proven what he can do as a returner. Yeah. But to me, Gunnar is still completely underwhelming as a wide receiver. I think Nixon's probably a better wide receiver right now than Gunner, who okay. obviously isn't really a receiver. He was a defensive back. Right. Um, I guess uh, things that let's address, they didn't draft a wide receiver high. They didn't place a priority on that. But they did draft a running back and a defensive end high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Weed joke there, man. Uh, and you're the one who was making fun of me for bringing it up. Um, what, what are your thoughts on them not, not prioritizing a wide receiver and I think it is notable too. Like the last three drafts were said to be pretty good wide receiver classes. And the only player you got out of it was Nikhil Harry. Well, you say that, but they invested in one of those drafts. They just didn't hit on it. True. It's not like the team, it's not like the Seahawks took multiple receivers the last three years. Yes, you're right. And correct me if I'm wrong, he's still on the team and could still be good. Not good. <laughs> that, like in like a uh, very, very small type than italics. Uh, yeah. He's still on the team though. You still could. Uh, it's interesting. We talked about, I thought coming in the two biggest needs were quarterback and wide receiver, the most obvious, like you could use. And then Elijah Moore slipped to the second round. Now he went early in the second. Yeah, he was like yeah. one of the first two picks. There were other guys. There were other options. You know, Amari Rogers out of Clemson was a guy that I know a lot of Patriots fans fell in love with. There were, Different choices you could have made along the way, um, and they didn't. They waited till seven. They waited till the golden parachute for Ernie Adams. They gave him the pick and the whole thing. He didn't hesitate, according to the video, though. He went right to the board, grabbed the damn name. He knew what he was doing quick. Yep. Um, better than David Givens when there was a little uncertainty back in the day in terms of that pick. But um, I know you think this is like another indication that to steal a phrase from Mutt, they're going to devalue the wide receiver position. That yeah. Offensive line, running game, tight end position, middle of the field, all of that, and that receivers are kind of now more complementary bit role. And yeah, that's fine. Well, first of all, I think they they should be because um, our listeners got all hot and bothered yesterday on the text line because I called their receivers like C level talents. They are. That's what I thought, but they were like, Nelson Aguilar averaged 18.7 yards per catch last year, and he well, was this, and well, he was that. What, what do you do in the years before that? When he wasn't on a contract, you're getting paid a million dollars, and he needs to prove himself. And I would also argue, yeah, he averaged 18 yards a catch. He had an average season. He had 900 yards or whatever, just like Jacoby Myers. Like, yeah. somebody's going to catch passes for teams. Like, that's that's the way it works. Um, so I still think they have – B slash C level receivers. Will Jacoby Myers, I'm still intrigued by. I still say I don't think they're intrigued by. Well, him. I was just gonna say, after some people were saying, Oh, this is an indication they really think Myers is the number one guy. I don't think so. Why'd they go out and get Kendrick Bourne then? Correct. Yeah, I so but if they're okay, it and I also get back to your theory works well if the other pieces work well. If if Smith and Henry work well is what you're saying. If they become what their paycheck says they are more than what their resume says there are. But if they catch, I, I still go back to if John O. Smith catches, you know, 41 balls and Hunter Henry catches 47 and they combine total for like a thousand yards between them. I don't know that, more than that. Yeah. I mean, you're paying them for more than that. You're investing. Well, maybe. 
what if what if you the other thing is they rely more on the running game so what if they you know amount to that a thousand yards total but it's i don't know 15 to 20 touchdowns well but wait a minute you say rely on the running game that's fine i don't know how good their running game is and if the other team goes back to not really fearing the passing game and starts loading up the box and you become predictable because everybody thinks, oh, yeah, they want to run the ball, they want to establish the run, go play action, and the other team says, well, we're not going to let you do that. You know, Show us you can beat us with Nelson Aguilar. Show us – and maybe you will. Maybe he'll get long touchdowns and he's the guy that counted on to stretch the field a little bit. We'll see. I just think the idea that they're building it you know, I got defensive a year ago when people had the audacity to mention Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene in the same sentence with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. I still think it's blasphemous to do that with Henry and Jonu Smith. Now, it's closer. Yeah, but no, yeah. When you have a Hall of Fame tight end, you're not going to, it's unfair to make that comparison. You had a Hall of Fame tight end and a Pro Bowl caliber tight end in Hernandez or whatever you want to call him, pass catcher, move player. Right. These guys, you know my snark line, their next first, their next Pro Bowl will be their first Pro Bowl. Like they, they still have to prove something. And so we'll see. But I have a lot of hope for uh, Smith just because I think McDaniels can use his skill sets right that I don't think was used properly in Tennessee. Like he's one of the more athletic tight ends. I think they can get the ball to him in space and allow him to, you know, do his thing with, with yards after the catch. I hope so. We'll see. I actually think I said this the other night. Theoretically, if Mac Jones becomes the quarterback at some point, whether that's early in the year, midway, whatever, I do think Jonu Smith and James White could benefit both most oh, from that. Gosh. In not only do I think they'll will try to run the ball and not put too much on his plate, and then third down throws, if he hits them in position to pick up the 12 yards on third and nine or what, you know, gives them ability to move rather than what we saw last year with Cam Newton missing them or putting, you know, forcing them to reach back, taking them out of stride off stride, you know, the accuracy that Mac Jones is supposed to bring to the field. I think John U. Smith is a guy that could really benefit from that. Do you think um, Nikhil Harry is on the roster come week one? <sighs> That's a good question. Is Nikhil Harry on the roster? I am going to say no. What do you say? Yes. Why do you I, say I don't think they can get made a bad face. Scowled. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm not happy, but like I don't think they can get anything for him. Like if uh, you, like you probably get because like let's just say a receiver gets hurt in camp, they're not going to like have Nikhil Harry at the top of their wish list. Well, I'm trying to think of an example. Could there ever be? a receiver for receiver swap, a change of scenery, a guy who's disappointed. Well, was it, who was it? Who did, um, it was from Arizona. Who'd they throw out? Uh, what's his name? The UMass kid. Isabella. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't the, who floated that as a chance Reese. I, I saw somebody throw that out there and I just wonder if just a change of scenery, two disappointments, relatively high picks, Maybe you also mix in a swappage of late round picks to, to muddy the trade waters even more to make everybody feel better. No, no, no. We didn't give up on our guy. No, no, no. They didn't give up on their guy. This just fit both of our needs at our current time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, it, and I don't feel passionately that he won't be on the roster either. Like he could easily be on the roster. They don't have a crap load of wide receiver depth. 
Um, it is interesting that we didn't get any of the trades we talked about. We didn't get Paul Perillo's uh, Joan Williams trade or. We only got one total trade. Like I thought that was surprising. Uh, I would say that was mildly surprising. Bill did say on um, night two that the, the, you had to give up a lot more to make trades this year. Right. But it was funny because everybody was talking about how, um, what's his name with the jet, the giants, um, Gettleman Gettleman. doesn't trade. And he made a couple trades and now they're like, Oh, he traded down. He's like trader Dave now and all this. So, I mean, I guess it's all sort of how you view it. Cause he had made a comment going into the draft. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get pantsed or I'm not going to, you know, and he found the ability to make trades. And when he doesn't normally bill normally does, he couldn't find the ability to make those deals. So uh, yeah. And we should go into, as we're talking kind of the cornerback position is yep, that was similar, my next point. Yep. similar to wide receiver. I think everybody expected maybe they'd take one because Stefan Gilmore is going to be gone and JC Jackson's going to be gone and you need to replenish. And they didn't, um, at all, really, unless you think Bledsoe has some position yeah. versatility, which I don't think he does. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think Gilmore and Jackson are now firmly in the mix to be on the team in week one. Like yeah, whether that's that with Gilmore. Well, I was going to say that means probably an extension with Gilmore. Which again, we've talked about it. I don't hate. I used to be all either. in on that. And now as the team has evolved and, you know, you have more hope and you expect to be a playoff team. You have the finances. Like, I don't think Stefan Gilmore is ever going to be defensive player of the year again, but he's still a top five cornerback in the NFL. Uh, okay. I mean, I haven't done the math, but I think I'm he's saying, a good I'm not saying he's two or three. He's probably four, five, six. Well, he can't be a top five cornerback and be six. Well, he's. you can make the case that he's a top five. Some of our followers will note that on Twitter when you said he was six as the top five. Hey, Mayock, there's only five in the top five. You can't be six. Some could have him as six. I have him four or five. Um, either way, he's still a number one corner for a decent team, in my opinion. And he should be better because last year, I think we saw at times the pass rush sucked. The, the front seven sucked. Mm-hmm. And you'd expect that to be better. So that makes his job easier. Um, now, there could be some issues at safety, working with new safeties or McCordy falls off. How does that work? But uh yeah i don't hate it i just don't know what it would cost that that's like i know we throw out oh could he sign a three-year extension with 30 million guaranteed or what like is that is that in the ballpark i I have no idea what he's looking for i I really don't do you think it would probably have to be at least three years right i would think and it also what's his health situation with the knee we've talked about that you know he finished the year banged up does that affect a how you view them but does it also affect how the open market views them trade market views them does that muddy that water well i uh, think if the i don't wouldn't the patriots try to express to him like the league doesn't know what you are like you need this last year to prove yourself and you could you know maximize your value like do they want to go that route or do they want to try to lock him up now and maybe his value is cheap and would he, would he be willing to push the point right like, is he going to sit out? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You know what 31-year-old cornerback shouldn't do? Sit, sit out, out a year, right? Like, I don't think you're going to gain value. So he has – his threats are somewhat hollow. So it's a it's a weird situation. Now, it does – it feels to me like total business. Like, that's the one thing I will say is it doesn't feel personal or no. like a bridge was burnt. Like, I think he looks at it as pure business. I think Bill looks at it as pure business. And if it stays like that, I think it makes it easier for those. Like, it's the opposite of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a business issue. 
I don't think Tom Brady was a business issue at the end. No. This just feels like a pure old school tie law. Yes. Stephon Gilmore is looking out for Stephon Gilmore Inc. And Stephon Gilmore Inc. right now is underpaid. You need to find a way to fix that. And I think Bill Belichick kind of realizes that too. Yeah. So it wouldn't stun me if they were able to figure something out at all. And I've come around on that. I'd be fine with it too. I think JC Jackson is obviously in the mix for this year. I don't see them re-signing him after the year. Which would make it better if you sign Gilmore to, let's say, a three-year extension, throw out a number, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now, next year, you can draft a corner to work his way in, be the number two. It's not like, oh, crap, we don't have any starting corners now. We're overhauling the whole position. Nope, Gilmore's still the one, even if he's aging and fading. You bring this other guy in to learn under Gilmore to be the two. Hope. Well, and you still have hope there, too, with Miles Bryant, who had a great end of the year uh, last year. Uh, Jalen, why can't I think is Mills? The Eagles guy. Why can't yeah, I remember Jalen Mills? Jalen Mills um, green, uh, green, green hair. Yeah. yeah. So you still have, you have guys in, in the mix. Jonathan Jones. I've seen a lot of people speculate, are they going to bring Jason McCourty back? I was going to ask you that. What are your thoughts? I'd prefer not to. I don't really see the I need. feel like if they're going to do it, they would have already done that. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't I don't, like, need. like money thing probably wasn't an issue. Now, if if Gilmore goes, then maybe McCourty would be another body to add to the mix. But as it stands today, I don't I don't see the need or love the idea. I wouldn't be surprised if McCourty's added today or tomorrow because today's the um, – if you sign now, you don't count towards the comp picks. I right. can see that happening. He visited, yeah. the, he visited the Giants, so that's a possibility. It wouldn't surprise me. Like, I mean, he's a veteran-type player, his brother. Like, the whole thing yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all. I just – I don't know. Is he any good anymore? Good locker room guy. I think that's, that's, that's his best value. Now we got a quarterback, a cornerback. we got all these locker room guys. We need guys that play. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Ernie Adams? I do. I wrote a column on – well – Quasi column. I don't even know what it was this morning. A boss man liked it on the radio, so he asked me to write it. So I wrote it, as he would say. I thought it, so I wrote it. Um, that Matt Patricia maybe fills the bill because he has kind of that um, non-football intelligence analytical side that Ernie brought to the table as a aeronautical engineer and nuclear sub guy and all that. But he also has a little bit now more varied position you know, having run a team and now he comes back in more of a personnel role. I could see him, even the clock management stuff, he's had to do that from the sideline and, and in the head coach role, now be a voice in the booth in that similar role because Ernie Adams was big there. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect because he didn't go to high school with Bill like Ernie did. There's, it's, it's never going to replicate it. He, doesn't, he hasn't been around him for 60 years or whatever right. it is, he's, but he's been around him for 20 and they're boys. Well, know say, you have to make the he's probably one of his closest friends in the NFL coaching wise. I, I, I mean, to steal the term that the kids use, I got to think he's one of his besties, right? Like, and their wives got, are friends. I was gonna say, you got the Linda connection, Nantucket. Oh, speaking of which, I got something I want to throw out there because I want to take credit for it first. Oh boy, I think Bill and Linda got married. You see the ring on Bill's finger. No, in the video, the Ernie Adams video, when Bill was on the on the phone. With Trey Nixon, little ring on the finger, not not like a football ring, looked like a wedding ring. Um. Okay. Did you report this? Did nope. you this? Nope. Nope. I just want to put it out in the podcast form that I, I got. So you know, if if you really want credit, the way to do it is to blog it. Well, but 
because it's not like are, our, it's not our like I don't report on like uh, uh, relationships, like rumors, like well, you're doing not, it right uh, TMZ or, or page six. You're doing it. Get your clicks. Boss man loves the clicks. Get yeah, your well, clicks. No, I'm just. So I can pull the audio here from this podcast that I that I had at first. Well, that's interesting. I didn't notice it. So this is in the Ernie Adams video. He's wearing a wedding ring on his left ring finger, kind of thing. Yep. That's, is it rubber like mine? Yep. Is it a real? Oh, it rubber. is. Yep. Rubber. I knew I liked you, Bill. See, we got something together, Bill. We're part of the Rubber Ring Brigade. Um, well, I had actually heard a few years ago that a lot of people thought they had, that they had already gotten married and that she like orders food as like Linda Belichick and like uses the last name. Um, I mean, does it really? Does it matter? No, that's why I don't really, my children to blog about it. The only way it matters is like from a financial perspective, if like, do they sign a prenup and that's none of my goddamn business. Like I, right, right. does she get half the empire on Nantucket if they divorce or whatever? I don't care about really quite, quite honestly, any of that. None of that. I don't really care about it either. That's why I'm saying it's not a big deal. It's why I didn't rush to blog it. I'm just, I'm just throwing out there just an observation that I had and I want to take credit for if it's true. Yeah. But why don't you take credit for the page views? If it's true, <laughs> you know what Fred Kirsch would call you? What? A pussy. <laughs> there's, it's, there's no relevance. It'll get clicks. I, I prefer to get my clicks the right way. I agree with you on that. Well done. Um, so just to get back to the- Yeah, sorry, the, sorry to derail your Ernie Adams. No, no, no. I actually like it because I like that you noticed that. I didn't. Um, to get back to the Patricia thing though, like, do you make, I know because Patricia actually brought that other guy with him. Evan, Evan Rothstein, yeah. Yeah, who was in a like an analytical role. I, I think his title was like research assistant. Right. Um, and then we have the undefined Matt Patricia role, like he's signing contracts, he's helping in the draft process. I will say he's definitely in the front office, I've been told. Like he, he, that's well, where he yeah, He kind of had him being in the draft, the war room, making the pick on ESPN. Like, right. So it, I just think that would make a lot of sense. I, as you brought that up in the column, I think it's a combination of Patricia and Rothstein. Like Patricia does the headsets. He's in the booth. He knows the timeouts, the challenges, and maybe Rothstein's the special projects, like right. stuff like that. Right. And, you know, there's never going to be like Nick Casario leaves and, and Dave Ziegler fills right. every void in the Nick Casario role or Ernie leaves and Matt Patricia fills every part of it. Like that's never going to even Bill you know, talking about it, like he literally wrote the scouting manual for us and all that. Like, so Matt's not going to do that, but I can tell you, like Matt has done some of those things in mm -hmm. his 14, 15 year career with the Patriots, bringing the scouting system up to, you know, sort of modern technological standards and those types of whatever they call it. They have a name for their system, cougar, viper, some animal. I don't even mm -hmm. remember leopard, polar bear. I don't know. It's something at the zoo. Um, so I just think he makes a lot of sense in that area. Cause that is a big, like everybody's talked about the brain drain and like Jason light and Robinson and this guy and Casario. Awesome for it. Yeah. Right. Like, well, Ernie's been there. He's been labeled as Bill's right-hand man over the years. Like, Always. Like yeah. the two people that are Bill's right-hand men are Ernie and Bears. Bears didn't join until New York jets. Ernie was there way beyond that in the Cleveland years, the Giants year. In fact, I didn't even know this. I didn't know that Ernie kind of brought Bill to the Giants. He convinced 
Perkins to hire Bill when Bill had been with the Colts and the Lions and the Broncos those early first few years. Ernie put in a good word and got the Giants to hire Bill. So, like, he's been Bill's guy from day one. Like, the, there was a story I read, like, they used to sneak into BC football practices when they were at Phillips Academy to, like, practice their scouting or something. Like, nerds. Nerd alert, but now you know why they're good at it. Now you like they've wanted to. Yeah. It's like the broadcasters that used to practice at home pretending to do play by play. Like yeah. they yeah. knew at a young age what they wanted to be. They invested to become that. So Matt can't replicate that. I just, I think on a lot of levels. Plus, the other thing is, and this is a, a totally different sort of side of the story, it takes him out of looking over Steve Belichick's shoulder or being like, you know, the assistant head coach defense so that. Yeah. Nope, nope. He's in a totally different spectrum role area that the team needs, but that doesn't step on the toes of Bill's son as he kind of continues his career in the track. That Small note on Ernie, like, I don't even know what it is. Is he retiring now? Like, is he going to stick, stick through the year? Nobody knows because Bill was so vague and never even answered the follow-up question about it because he had to go watch the Derby. This is, um, I don't know whether it's one of my favorite things Bill does or one of my least favorite but when he offers up information in a vague way, then you ask about it and he totally dismisses like clarifying. Like it entertains me in some, I don't know, again, depends what mood I'm in, I guess. Some moods I laugh at it and some moods it would set me off. Cause you know what kind of set me off a little bit? The what? stupid little uh, Nike, the dog. Um, oh, you didn't like that? No. Cause you know oh. why? Cause I had to work in that organization under Belichick for damn near 20 years. And there were a lot of times where he tried to suck the effing fun out of virtually everything. You're working in professional sports and he makes it not fun. And now he can have fun with his freaking little dog in the world. Do you, do you really think he, he was the mastermind behind that? No. Linda was. Linda made him do it. But he allowed it. Because it was Linda. Yeah. I, I don't. His wife, you're saying. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, but my thing with Adams was there challenges and timeout management last year wasn't the usual Patriots like on the ball type. So maybe it was, it was a sign that Ernie realized he's losing it. Could be, could be, or, or maybe Bill, or like, I'm jumping ship before this, the wheels fall off this thing. I don't want to be tied to this. True. But would you agree though, that the there last year, there was a lot of like, and I'm not saying all the timeouts yes. were Ernie yes. Adams's fault, but there was a lot of instances where you're like, that's not how they usually do things. No. And if you remember, some of that played into the Pat McAfee, Bill Belichick has checked out. They're doing un-Belichickian patriot-like things up there in New England. And that would tie into that. That would be some Ernie decisions, timeouts, clock management, the way they do things. Um, could be. I mean, I don't even know how old he is, but he might just want to go spend his money and relax. Now, I don't know what he does for fun. I mean, he would be painted as one of those guys that doesn't and have what anything. Do you, what do you think he does for fun? Uh, Stock market? Probably, I wonder if he's into uh, cryptocurrency now. Maybe money there. He's uh, six, he's sixty eight. Um, yeah, because I don't know what he. I don't believe he's married. Is he? Is he married? No, I think he is. Oh, okay. So maybe he just wants to retire. I thought he was. I mean, he's got all the money in the world. He's had a cool life, a cool job. What are you labeling me as the uh, relationship expert with Patriots people now? We got to have somebody. Jake in Boston's not around, so you're second fiddle to Jake in Boston. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure if he's married. Okay. Um, but, you know, maybe he's just reached the point where he wants to enjoy life a little bit and spend the money that he's made over the years on Wall Street and the stock market and 
I'm sure he's made good money for the last 20 years as a right-hand man. So, um, but all joking aside, it's a loss. Like it's it's a major change. And I do think like, I want, like you said, Linda made him do the Nike thing and like, which I think is a fair assumption. I don't, fault you for that i, mean, I don't think i don't think uh cecily in the social media department said bill you're doing this he said okay uh you never know I, who knows people have jobs they come up with creative ideas and i always say you never know when he's going to say yes he shoots down a lot but you never know when he's going to say yes um but i also wonder i wonder if he's just realizing he's coming to like his his career mortality is coming into play like you see Ernie, like Brady leaves. That's a slap in the face. Like, wow, things have really changed. Yeah. Now Ernie leaves. And it's like, maybe I do need to lighten up a little bit. Maybe I do need to enjoy, like, this could be the last year, next year. Could be, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, I think maybe like his life's changed. Like he has two grandkids now. Like his life right. is changing. He's maybe viewing things a little differently than he did before. Yeah. Right. And he's letting, I don't know, uh, Elliot Wolf and those guys carry the ball before the draft and, then in the draft, he's asking Matt Grow if he's whoa, good. whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we can we call BS on that? Um, I don't know. Come on, I call BS, and I got a phone call from somebody who was not happy that I was calling BS on it and mocking it on the radio. But um, so universally, I think everybody reacted to that as uh, I think Tom Curran called it acting or whatever. I called it propaganda. Um, Karen oh, Garigian. Oh, Karen was on your side. Oh My yeah, side too. Good. Yeah, I I don't know anybody who said, oh, I don't know why you guys are talking about that, or like everybody saw that and said, hmm, that's an interesting craft sports production video put out there. Like, I think everybody. But I would also say there's also two questions there. <laughs> I don't think it was produced by craft sports productions. I think it was produced by BB Productions. Yes. Now, what I would argue is. Was it produced for you, me, uh, Joe effing Foxborough fan, the militia, all those people? Or was it produced for, I don't know, somebody about 15 feet to his right named Robert Kraft? Was it a show for him or a show for the masses? I would say that's fair. And I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing it out there um, because I do like it's one thing he's always said you know, Ernie, we good with this or Nick, you okay with that? Usually it's more with trades than necessarily picks, but whatever he, this got to, I swear Matt grow was as stunned as anybody that bills called his name. I he swear he had to say grow. Right. Well, cause I mean, Matt Patricia's there too. So, but I think Matt grow was stunned. I, I, you, no one will convince me otherwise that Matt grow was not stunned. Um, well, then there so, was another thing too, that bill brought up with the, I forget, I think it was, it was Friday night. He was asked about how the, um, trade up happened and he said basically and for the he had nothing to do with it it was all elliot wolf like he did you knew again now if you want to take it to the next step he's performing for somebody we don't know who he's performing for whatever why is he doing it is it to include those guys more because he's heard blowback or is it plausible deniability listen when this quarterback stinks, I want to make sure. I asked everyone else, and no one said a word. Everybody was on board. Not one person said, no, nah, Bill, he's not that good. Let's take a defensive player. Let's take a whatever, a tackle. So there's plausible deniability. This was a group pick, group think, right? He crowdsourced the entire war room. Yep. Gave everybody the opportunity to raise their hand and say, you have a problem right. with it. So 
I think it's fun because it makes for a good talking point, especially a few weeks after Robert Kraft, you know, said the drafts haven't been that good, but I got a different feeling this year. And like that whole process through there. Um, But I do, I don't think my former employers at Kraft Sports Productions said, listen, Bill, this is what we think you should do. We're going to script. This isn't reality TV. No. And if it is, it was Bill Belichick running the show. Nobody else. Uh, This was a good podcast. I like this one. The hell does that mean you usually don't? Well, I thought it was energetic. It was just the two of us. We wouldn't have anyone else carrying us. Oh, your ego's kicking in. You get to talk more this time. You're like one of those guys. I got more minutes on the off-day podcast because didn't have Perillo and Giardi to get in the way. Oh, this was good. An hour and hour plus of Patriots draft talk. I thought it was good. Good energetic. We had some fun. You broke news that Bill Belichick, you think, got married. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, one last thing. What'd you think? Um, I've This never hit me. This whole uh, Bob Baffert, Bill Belichick thing, the the Kentucky Derby dude, you yep. might know more about this than I do because I really know kind of. Um, so he won his seventh Kentucky Derby. Yeah, his his one of his horses, yes. But they were like, Bill had six Super Bowls and he had six yeah. Kentucky Derbies things. Uh, Baffert, he said today on uh, one of the morning shows, he's now Tom Brady, but he didn't want to tell Bill that. Well, that's what I was thinking, kinda. But now Bill has his chance because it's the same year. Bill could win. Yeah. This, and I don't think it's going to happen, but no. and then I also thought it was funny that they both just had the initials BB, which like I didn't pick up on that, but a, it is interesting, like that they're you didn't pick on the, up on that that their initials are BB. No, because I don't think like that. Like what? They're two letters. Like what? <laughs> I don't think. Oh, his Bob Baffert and Bill Belichick. I I didn't think like that. Okay, but he's they're similar in that like they're winning, and then I don't know the details, but Baffert's not the cleanest. Guy. Like he has some right. scandals too. Scandal. Yep. Yeah. So he, he had some like comment attributed to him. I was watching the the post race. I'm not really into the Kentucky Derby. We can get to that in a minute. Um, but the post race, he said, like, basically, if you're going to be great and, and lead the charge, you're going to take some slings and arrows. Like you can't be Mr. Nice guy and be great or something. And I think Bill probably believes that like, yep. is it cheating or is it taking advantage of your idiot rules or whatever? Yep. Like, and I don't know exactly all his history. Oh, I, I don't know a single thing. I just know he's involved in some scandals. Right. And every few years they have, you know, a guy had a buzzer in his whip and he was yeah. jabbing the horse with it or whatever. I don't know how, what his scandals are. Drugs, PEDs for horses. I, yeah, I have no, I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell. I just know the guy's great and he wins. Right. And I think that's how most people look at it. Same way they look at Bill. Yep. Do they think about Spygate and this gate and that gate? Nope. They think that he's one of the best coaches of all time. Um, did you, do you like the Kentucky Derby? Like, do you have any interest in it? Do you watch um, it? Here? Yeah, I, I make sure to watch it. And I, I'm relying. I'm not I'm not like Mutt throwing a bunch of cash on the pre-races and that, but I threw some money on a horse. I flat out don't really care for it. Like, I, like, I would bet if I had an app. It's, it's two minutes, though. Well, no, it takes forever because they tell you. It's one of those things. You know, coverage starts at this time in the race. But you know the race starts between 6.30 and 7 every year. Maybe I'm an idiot and didn't know that. Um <laughs> I don't know. But the other thing is, it's like, I feel like it's the opposite of me. It's like these rich hoity toity. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not saying I would want to go there and mingle with the people and drink, drink their fancy drink. drinks. And yeah. no, give me a goddamn Miller light. Like the part you said, I don't have an app right now. Once casinos in Massachusetts have sports betting and have mm-hmm. easy apps, I will have an app. And my guess is next year or whatever year it is, 
I'll look at somebody who's 40 to one and say, yeah. I'll put a little money on this I guy. Put 20, I put 20 bucks on some guy that was, I forgot, 12, eight to one, whatever. Right. And I, but the whole, the pump and circumstance that draws a lot of people to it, the hats and the outfits and the rich, like actually pushes me away. It actually kind of turns me up because I just think that would be as uncomfortable as I could possibly. But there are also two different sections to that like there's the fancy and the suites but then there's also the infield which i don't know what it was this year that's just a bunch of rvs and basically college kids getting smashed yeah but i don't fit in there anymore either i'm a man without a i'm not the rich guy that shows up in his private jet and i'm not the college kid who should get in house done so i don't fit i'm a man without a home it's true so it, right so maybe you can go to a a, a local casino and wherever encore and watch it there have a few beers some some wings and wait some money. So, so there you go. You're in the, you're in the, like, on your spot. I feel like that's kind of frowned upon. Like even people have parties. Like I've heard people or like even been invited. I don't think a bit like they have like a Kentucky Derby party where they're going to plan on fancy hats and you got to dress yeah. up and like, no, I don't want to. If you invite me over to watch the race and I can have Miller lights and wings, sign me up, but I don't want you stupid mint drink. I don't like anything that is mint other than toothpaste. So I don't want a stupid mint drink. Like, yeah, I have no interest in it. Anyway, okay. All right, I, li- I like that rant. It's good. Um, are we doing a podcast later this week, or maybe depending on if anything happens? Let's keep the listeners on their toes. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. True. Maybe I don't know. We'll- According to you, this is going to be the most popular one ever. It's the best one we've done because we've got lots of Ryan Hannibal time. Maybe we'll have a guest. Who knows? We- Giardi uh, was too big for us last week. Maybe we'll have him on. Who knows? Well, he broke word that uh, what did he bro? Oh, Chad Pennington and Mac Jones. Yeah, there. yeah. He he. I think he he quote tweeted Breer and said somebody said this weeks ago. Yeah, it's funny. We had him on weeks ago and he didn't say it. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm know. Where not he, always on Burt Breer's side, but I'm on Burt Breer's side in this one. I didn't hear Giardi say crap. Right. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you later this week, or maybe we won't. Yep. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.